and Talk. Hello and welcome to Grow Up and Talk. My name is Alex LeHue and I get to be a pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church. We believe that eternities are changed when Jesus followers grow up in their faith. And one of the best ways of growing up in our faith is reading God's Word, the Bible, and not just reading it by ourselves, but having conversations about it, talking about it. And that's why this is called Grow Up and Talk. Our goal is to encourage each other in realizing that the Bible is approachable, has interesting things and insights to take that applies to our lives. And what we're using right now on this podcast is our three-year chronological Bible reading plan put together by some of our members. And today on the show, I have with us a very special guest who I'm, I'm excited to talk about um, this section of Proverbs with you today. It's Kelly Schumacher. Kelly, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about yourself. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Kelly Schumacher, and um, I am the artist at Anu Stay Liturgical Arts, which you've probably heard about. Um, but on my website, I have uh, prints and greeting cards of um, religious art, and specifically, I um, just try to make <laughs> make the uh, narrative and the historical um, parts of scripture um, come alive. Um, so lots of baby Jesus, lots of Jesus with children. Um, but then I also do um, portraits and specifically uh, children's portraits in such a way um, to capture both the pro-life message, but also look at it as a way to uh, serve families and help them preserve preserve memories. So. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, Glad to have you on the show, especially from your artistic perspective. Uh, so be sure to to check out uh, Kelly's website. Um, a lot of really great uh, imagery on there. And we have a lot of really great imagery in our passage today uh, because we're going to cover the readings that uh, in our plan go from November 28th to December 4th. And that comes down in the podcast equation as Proverbs 3 chapter 3 um, through chapter 9. So a lot of content, but let's do a quick overview of what's going on in these chapters. Basically with chapter 3, it starts off with saying um, some some good stuff about wisdom, you know, lean on uh, the Lord with all your heart and not on your own understanding, you know, value wisdom. And then is the this is the first time later in chapter three that we are introduced to this idea of lady wisdom. Wisdom is portrayed as this uh, woman, and um, who is you know kind of some so, uh, a woman to be valued. In other words, communicating through imagery uh, that wisdom and instruction is to be valued. And so chapter four goes along with that. And it's more of a father giving instruction to his son. And it's, you know, believed and uh, widely accepted that Solomon is the one writing these things. So he's probably telling his sons, hey, um, these are some lessons I learned because uh, we know Solomon didn't always use his wisdom for good. Um, in chapter five, we are introduced to lady adultery. So in the same way that uh, wisdom is portrayed as a woman, adultery and even foolishness is kind of portrayed as a woman as well, especially um, in chapter five. Uh, 
Chapter 6, we received some tips for how to live our lives and also some more warnings against adultery. Once again, Lady Adultery shows up again in Chapter 7. Lady Wisdom shows up in Chapter 8. And finally, in Chapter 9, Lady Wisdom, and actually it's called Lady Folly, so foolishness, um, kind of similar uh, to Lady Adultery, but Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly have this dueling, like, battle of the dinner tables. Uh, who can have the best feast? And uh, they have competing feast tables, and they're trying to get um, as many people to come to their feast, and that's the image that we are presented at the end. In other words, you know, there's a lot, some their messages can be similar, but they are not the same. So that is a quick summary of Proverbs 3 through 9. Kelly, when you were reading this, what stood out to you? Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> it's it's heavy on the law. I think yeah, we can yeah. agree on that. Yes, yes. Uh, It's very heavy on the law. And I think that sometimes we can get kind of scared of that, you know, okay. because it's like, oh my goodness, there's so much law. I want the gospel. And mm. Um, So if you read it from, I have to do all these things, it can be very overwhelming. However, um, it's really good from the perspective um, that the law is a curb, a guide, and a rule. And what I see it as is so much of, um, I mean, going into my personal life, but there are just so many ways that in my vocation... um, I see areas I need to serve my neighbor better in my vocation. Mm. And I, while I was reading this, I was, um, I was looking at it and I was going, yeah, I'm working on that. Yeah, I'm working on that. (laughs) And I know that I'm not perfect by any means. And ultimately Christ is the ultimate fulfillment. Um, I just see that so much as a sanctified people, of God, um, God does call us by His Spirit and as forgiven sinners to um, live this out for the sake of loving, loving our neighbor. So I would say that's the big, overarching thing that stuck out to me. And uh, the second thing is just um, the world and how our, our this is so against what our world yeah. and our flesh yeah. <laughs> want. And I. You know, and I struggle with this in myself. I know so many people that struggle with letting our flesh just feast on things that it should not feast upon. And this book just continually was just like, yep, that's right. Like, discipline is good. Working hard is good. Dying to self is good. But it's really hard. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I almost uh, wonder if people read this book and was like, easy for you to say, Solomon. You lived it all, and then at the end, you turned it around. Maybe he, I'm assuming he turned it around, you know, at the end, and it's kind of the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. I'm pretty sure Ecclesiastes was uh, written more at the end of his life. I think Song of Songs might have been like that, too, and uh, Proverbs uh, as well, kind of toward the end of his life, kind of like his his sort of like last will and testament is like, son, I've been there. I've done that. Uh, this is my, please, you know, listen to my instruction. Uh, this is, this is good for you. And in a way, um, it can kind of, 
if you read it that way as well, you can kind of see it as a confession and even, you know, understanding like, you know, Solomon's realizing, hey, wisdom is good. The law is good. And you, you said it was heavy on the law. And I think an important point I like to make is, well, an important point that I do like to make is that the law is really good because the goal of the law is to point us back to Jesus because we realize, oh, it's not working out so well for me. And, uh, you know, I struggle to do that. And so Jesus is um, that that wisdom, that that truth and um, that point that that keeps us alive and that gives us new life. So Jesus gives us new life an inheritance uh, that we have secured in him, um, even as we struggle as, as sinners, sinner saints in this world uh, right now. Um, but yeah, so that was something that, that really stood out to me is just, you know, realizing that, you know, wisdom and the law is good. And in chapter four, I think, um, he talked about how knowledge keeps us alive it's a very practical book. Proverbs is in a lot of ways. I think I emphasized on the last episode uh, where we introduced Proverbs is that this is not, these are not prophecies. These are not like guarantees um, or anything like that. It, it should be read more as like, this is good, sound advice. Um, it's godly wisdom. Um, and, and, and generally speaking, uh, not having knowledge about things uh, can keep us alive and, and be the way of life is how he describes it in chapter four. And, and what I think in a very earthly way, a very kind of down to earth way about that is literally we have modern medicine and modern technology. We're in a pandemic right now. We have lots of, inf we're in the age of information, I guess. And um, actually, if you think about it, that kind of goes with chapter nine because it's like all these competing messages with information overload. But the point is that good information, good sound wisdom and instruction and knowledge uh, leads to leads to good things, um, typically speaking. It doesn't always work out. You know, sometimes stuff happens. It's a broken and fallen world. Uh, that's important to remember, too. But... That really stood out to me in chapter four. Anything else that stands out to you? Um, well, there's visuals. Yes. I think that's important. Okay. Um, so yeah, chapter chapter four, and I liked how you just, you know, emphasize the father is kind of mentoring and fathering his son, saying, like, Hey, I've been there, you know, here's mm -hmm. what to do, which I think is Oh my goodness, that's such a good, um, I mean, you know, how, like, just talking about our culture, we don't have fathers in mm. the way that we used to or in the way that we need. And obviously, um, God is the perfect heavenly father. Yeah. Um, but just what is the vocation of, of father and how there are so many people I know who are our fathers that are like, help, I don't know what to do. And <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. They could just read this <laughs> and yeah. I know kind of what to do, um, but I really like the imagery of um, Proverbs 4, let's see, yeah, Proverbs 4, 6 through 9, mm -hmm. do not forsake her and she will keep you, love her and she will guard you, so there's just like this, it's like affection and like a shield yeah. or a guard 
the beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. And that's really good because it's encouraging us to think deeply, you know, to not just look at things on the surface, but actually to slow down and, and to think and not take things at face value. Um, and to just really make connections and meditate on good things, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. So that's very like visual language. And then she will place on your head a graceful garland and she, um, she will bestow on you a beautiful crown and just see, uh, almost like gold and jewels and, and florals. Um, which almost harkens to Song of Solomon right, or yeah. Paradise or um, yep. what is it in like Revelation? Be not, it's not Revelation, but it's like I, I don't know if it is, but it's be faithful to the point of death and I will give you the crown of life. You know, yeah, this is about yeah. that crown of life that we receive. Um, and also just all this wisdom, like we can work so hard to be wise, but. Um, wisdom is a gift you know what is it the fear of the lord is the beginning of of wisdom Wisdom. and it's a it's a gift and so we don't have to earn it we don't have to make it happen it's um it's a gift i think in our baptism is that fear of the lord and um you know that's that's a great thing (laughs) you know that we don't have to make it happen (laughs) right and uh, you know even in the beginning of chapter three verse five and six, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Uh, we'll probably talk about that more at the end uh, in the application, but that is uh, very difficult to do. I think we've established that it's very difficult to do a lot of these things and uh, that we need uh, the spirit of the Lord in us uh, through our baptisms and just walking with us in our lives um, to guide us in his way. Um, and so kind of backtracking a little bit to you, you were kind of making this connection with the imagery in chapter four and, you know, lady wisdom and kind of the beauty. And it kind of had this song of songs, um, uh, I guess vibe to it. Um, in chapter five, verse nine, at the end of, uh, or sorry, chapter five, verse 19, at the end of it, he's talking about, he mainly is talking about lady uh, adultery in this chapter, but kind of toward the end of it, he says about lady wisdom, be intoxicated always in her love. And so like be intoxicated always. Usually we think of, you know, being intoxicated as, as kind of like has this neti- negative connotation to it. Uh, but it reminds me of this TED talk that I listened to one time about this guy who studied, he had two TED talks that were, um, that have been really famous and one's on, uh, what he learned from dealing with anxiety and depression and researching that, um, a lot. And also, um, what he learned from having relatives or loved ones who struggled with addictions severely. And he, one thing that he said that really struck me was that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, but rather the opposite of addiction is connection. Oh, so, really? Yes, that's what he said. 
and he's done a lot of research, so, you know, I really trust that statement. It makes sense in my mind. I'm definitely not an expert on that, uh, but he consulted a lot of experts, and that was what he said. I think I used that in even my uh, my first Easter sermon. Uh, the You know, that as an uh, illustration, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, but connection, and that it kind of reminds me of the fact that, you know, basically, even when we think of idolatry, even, you know, we have an idol, you know, there's always going to be a God in our life. There's always going to be someone or something or some uh, kind of idol, we would call it, that takes priority in our heart above everything else. And the only way, and Kevin Eidelman also had a book called Gods at War, where he kind of argued in the same way that idols, the, the way to defeat idols is not to get rid of them, you know, in a sense, not to think about like just throwing them away completely. There, there is a throne in your heart that something will have to replace that idol. And so the goal is that the idol gets replaced with Christ. And I think, you know, the ultimate end goal for Jesus is to be totally and completely and perfectly connected to us and, um, and, and to his truth and his way. And that kind of, that, that uh, idea of being intoxicated always with wisdom is being always connected, always focused, always... Um, with, uh, devoted to, uh, lady wisdom. And later on, um, we might talk about this too, that Jesus, the son of God has also been portrayed as being wisdom as the son of God in the beginning of creation. So that is just a little something that it kind of made me think about. And then one last thing that it, that really stood out to me was in um, was the idea of um, well actually this is airing on Friday so we're recording this on on Wednesday beforehand but um, Wednesday, our Wednesdays in Advent I'm used, I'm borrowing a, a series from Pastor Matt Popovitz where we're going through hymns of Advent and the hymn for this week was O come O come Emmanuel and there's a verse in there that says to us to us, the path of knowledge show and teach us in her way to go and, you know, come to us wisdom from on high. And so it's kind of talking about Jesus as wisdom, um, which we get a lot of that in chapter eight. So um, anything else that um, you wanted to touch on uh, before we move into kind of some of the confusing or concerning parts? No, I mean, I, I have never thought of addiction, the opposite of that as connection. I mean, I, if you had asked <laughs> me, I would have thought it was balance is the yeah. opposite of addiction. Yeah. But obviously, to create balance, you need connection, you need yeah. a foundation, yeah. you know, and I would say connection or foundation, you know, our foundation is the cross of Christ, our yeah. foundation is you know, the confession of the saints that's been passed down, Mm -hmm. um, you know, without, without that bedrock, 
um, you're floating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, it's not, and things become very out of balance very quickly. And right. God's gifts quickly turn into something that is not good, but that is not no longer good. And yeah. that's the, the sad thing. Yes. Um, but, oh, but that's why we go back to that foundation, right. which is the word and the sacraments. And, yeah. and we go out on our vacation once again. So. <laughs> well, I, you know, what you're saying about like how God's gifts get twisted and turned into um, something that is not meant to be. So that would be like, you know, that can be seen in maybe some of the similarities uh, with lady adultery um, versus lady wisdom. Um, I think at one point Solomon writes uh, do not desire the beauty of lady adultery in your heart. So he's recognizing that there is some beauty to her that can be observed. And I think that that made me think about your statement where you're saying God's gift getting twisted. So us as image bearers of God, we, we kind of, we, we, we were worshiping the gift and connecting with the gift rather than, um, the gift helping us connect with the gift giver. And so, um, and, and that also, I think, can be seen in the last chapter where you have these uh, competing feasts between Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. And their message is eerily similar. Um, they're, they're sending out their people and saying, hey, come to the, the feast. I've made the best uh, things for you. Um, and Lady Folly is also loud, and she's also using crafty words and, and calling on those who pass by. And so this made me write down the message, messages can seem similar, especially in our world. So like you said, the gifts of God can be twisted and turned around, and, and something that seems like it's good can be communicated to us as, or something that seems like it's something that's actually evil and bad can be communicated and twisted um, to be shown to us as like, hey, this is a good thing. This is okay. It's all good. You know, don't worry about it. And um, I think that goes back to what you were saying. Like, it's good to think. It's good to, you know, you don't just take everything at face value. Uh, we take the words of Jesus at face value because mm -hmm. he rose from the dead and that validates everything that he says. Uh, but and anything else, like we should look through it with the lens of, of Christ and, and his word. So, yeah. Great. That was yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, one thing that I... I you know, just have a little bit of concern about is, you know, there's kind of this talk about like, especially in the beginning of chapter three, and you kind of see it throughout all the way to nine is like, you know, obey um, the Lord's commands and you'll have a good life and, you know, seek out wisdom and things are going to work out for you. You're going to have peace. You're going to have prosperity and all those things. And so it can sound a little bit prosperity gospel ish. Um, or you, you, it could be taken that way. And so my, uh, I guess word of, of caution is to, you know, whenever you come across those 
passages, I always just say, hey, let the clear, the really clear passages help you interpret the ones that aren't as clear for you. And, you know, like understanding that Proverbs is a book of wise sayings and and yet we also live in a broken and fallen world. So, you know, just because you instruct your child in the way they should go doesn't mean that they're always going to go in that way. Um, doesn't mean that they're going to end up in that way. It's not a book of guarantees. It's a book of wisdom and wise sayings that generally speaking, yes, if you're kind to your neighbors, things are going to work out pretty well to you. for you. If you're friendly, if you're, you know, a peaceful person, you're generally going to have a life of peace, but not always. It, you know, uh, stuff happens. Um, Jesus made that very clear uh, that things were not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy following Jesus. Uh, but I kind of was pointed back to um, verse 21, of, or I guess pointed forward to verse 21 of chapter 8, where I'm reminded of the ultimate um, reward is the inheritance. You know, he says, you're going to have an inheritance, um, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. So then that's when we go into the section of, it's very, it sounds a lot like Jesus, and it is, um, who is then portrayed as wisdom after that verse. Um, So Jesus, as wisdom, created the world. Things got messed up. He's going to restore it again. We have an inheritance. So even if you try to obey everything in Proverbs, like we already established, it's not we're not always going to obey it perfectly. It's not always going to work out for us, even if we feel like we're doing a pretty good job because uh, there's sin in the world. So that was my one concern that it could be taken that way. So. Uh, anything that was concerning or, or confusing to you? Anything that you kind of questioned a little bit as you as you read or wondered about? Uh, no, but I, I like that you shared that because, um, you know, even the, you know, the Ten Commandments, you know, those Ten Commandments are still good. Yeah, um, yeah. But you're right. They're not a guarantee that everything is yeah. going to be fine. Um, but we do those things to love and serve our neighbor mm-hmm. not to just get an easy life but i mean we i mean seriously our sinful flesh or yeah. you know we've talked about this can turn anything into an idol like the idea of having the perfect christian life is mm-hmm. a huge idol um and it's something something i've found myself very concerned about you know from the i mean i don't want to sound like mean here but a lot of times it kind of sounds like Oh, you know, here's kind of, you know, kind of the standard Lutheran life. You yeah. get married young, you have a lot of kids, and then you baptize all your kids, and then the church yeah. is going to grow. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> I, or if you take your kids to church every Sunday, they're going to turn out like yeah, Christians. Right. And and I'm not saying it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing those things in fact i love it when people are able to do that but you know sometimes people are barren sometimes kids wander away from the faith and any time that the that we expect this life now to be your best life now 
um, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. a problem, yeah. you know, but, but at the same time, you know, God, God does call us daily to die to self for the love of our neighbor, but there is joy in that too, you know, and oh, yeah. even though we live in a sinful world, um, serving others and giving to others, um, God gives us joy in that. At least he gives me joy in that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, so it's that awkward, you know, that awkward, you know, sitter saint, <laughs> you know, all that stuff, you know, it's that, yeah. it's that awkward place where we're all struggling, but yeah. thankfully it won't last too long. He's still come back. <laughs> we don't have to deal with it anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I really am thankful that you brought that up because, you know, part of this podcast was kind of, you know, at the beginning, we really committed to addressing some of the hard questions even. And that, that's very difficult um, for me sometimes. I think I'm growing in that area. And that's the point is that we grow up as we talk about God's word. And the important things is, is to actually talk about it, to actually um, address those hard questions. And I'm actually going to... Um, Take a, a well, I, I don't need to go and look up the exact quote, but there is a book that um, we were introduced in seminary. It's a fantastic book. It's very, um, it is very academic because of the kind of people who write it, in in a way. Um, but it, it so it has a lot of substance and depth to it. So that's just a, a fair warning there. It's not the easiest of reads, but it is a very inspiring read. Uh, it's, it's not C.S. Lewis level though, where you kind of feel like you have to, you know, go back and review and do this and that. Um, but, um, it's called Resident Aliens by, uh, Stanley Hauerwas and Henry Willimon. And Stanley Hauerwas was like, um, he's a modern day academic theologian professor, and, um, he's pretty, pretty famous in the academic theological world, um, and he was like even labeled by Time Magazine, Time or or Life Magazine, one of those as the theologian of the year. And, <laughs> and he, he even said in a speech that he did one time, like, whatever that means, you know, um, he, he didn't really, you know, he's a very humble guy. But he wrote this book called Resident Aliens that basically argues um, in a lot of ways that the American ideology is very different in its core from the Christian ideology. Um, and, and I'll try to explain this quickly. Uh, basically, the American ideology is kind of about yourself. Um, I have inherent rights. I have, uh, you know, um, individual freedom, individual choice. I'm the one who makes the choices. And the Christian life is all about the wisdom of God and the ways Jesus directing you and making the choices for you. The Holy Spirit um, be dwelling inside you and saying, nope, uh, it's not about you anymore. It's about Jesus. And that's what the Christian life is all about. That's what the life of the church is about. It's about God telling you what to do. And uh, that's actually a good thing. Um, but it gets portrayed as kind of a bad thing. Oh, it's a bad thing to be told what to do. No one's going to tell me what to do. 
But um, And he kind of talks about that in, in his book. But he also has this quote in there. Um, this is where I'm going on my long rabbit trail, is um, that he talked about how, you know, we so we fall into this trap of believing that the family of God cannot grow unless we have children that we're supposed to get married. But the being a part of the family of God is all about adoption. We've been adopted by God um, because sin has separated us from that perfect connection and relationship with with our heavenly Father, um, and so we be we were enemies of God. We have been born enemies of God. So that's where the truth that you know we confess in uh, during the church service. I confess that I deserve nothing but your present and eternal punishment. So, what rights? are we talking about here? Like, you know, I recognize there's, there's an earthly thing and there, there's earthly life and, and there's two realms. And I think we've talked about that in the podcast and even, um, in, in, in Bible studies before that, that's a long road. I don't want to go down right now, but, um, you know, I recognize that, you know, there's governance and, and government and it's great to, uh, have all these blessings. We recognize God for the blessings of, of this country and, and those kinds of things. We, we don't uh, dismiss that or even, um, you know, treat that flippantly. At the same time, we acknowledge that we don't actually deserve anything. Um, that's a really hard truth to swallow because our natural um, sinful state is um, the one that wants to say, no, I am the one who decides. I can achieve my dreams. I can do it. And in a way, this section of Proverbs is kind of combating that a little bit and saying, no, you're not good enough on your own. You're not smart enough on your own. You're not enough on your own. Listen to wisdom. Listen to Jesus because Jesus is enough. Um, but anyways, I don't think I, I, I think I like tried to start going into my quote and then <laughs> I didn't finish it. The quote is basically saying the family of God is about adoption. So, you know, if that's what the family of God is about, then we need to stop pressuring, you know, you know, singles to get married, uh, which is a point of, which is sometimes we just, do that unintentionally. Uh, we ask you, oh, when are you getting married? Or where you got someone in your life? Or um, rather than inviting them over for dinner and um, or, you know, asking married people, hey, when are you going to have kids and, and making, you know, marriage like all about kids? You know, we live in a broken and fallen world like stuff happens. Uh, sometimes people, you know, make decisions that they believe are best for them and their family. And the family of God, the church, will live on. It doesn't rely completely on our task of, as humans of, of procreating. Right. It relies on God and his Holy right. Spirit. So anyways, that was the point I was trying to make. It was really long. But... No, I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm not trying to open a can of worms, but I think yeah, it's, no, it was it's the sacrament. Definitely a can of worms. Thank you so much, Kelly. And the it priest word and sacrament, and I mean, sorry, we're gonna go, I'll, I'll finish the diatribe, but like, um, yeah, 
you know, I'm speaking as someone who is single a long time and yes, but not single now, but, um, you know, people judging you for, I mean, I can't even imagine the pain, but like people judging you for being single yeah. and you'd like have your heart broken like six times yeah. and you're just like, you know, or, <laughs> you know, and it just, and, and also, um, you know, sometimes people can be very accusatory of yeah. others who don't have children and those mm. people have like gone through like 10 miscarriages. I mean, so it's yeah. just, yeah. it's just not, I just think as a church body, like, even though I love, as I said, I, I go to church where there's lots of children. I also just yeah. know that, um, and I paint pictures of children and I take yeah. care of children right. and I love children. I just know that, like, I just think as a church, we have to be so careful because there is so much, um, deep pain associated with those, those issues. And we Mm -hmm. can't, we can't put God's work on, on people um, like that to fulfill God's plan of salvation. It's just a, it's a horrible, horrible burden um, that we just can't, we're not the savior. (laughs) Women, we're definitely not the savior in this area. Jesus is the savior. So, yeah. No, yeah. that's awesome. I'm glad that you mentioned it. I'm glad that it, the Holy Spirit eventually took me to an end and of, of, <laughs> of you know, my spiel. Um, and uh, I appreciate your your empathy and even sympathy um, for uh, people in, in many different situations. And I think that's important. I'm glad we kind of kind of thought of that. So basically, um, yeah, just be cautious listener, I think is the way to go and just, um, get to know people, make those connections. It's, it's about relationships. Um, and, uh, you know, God is not, um, disconnected from his creation. Um, yes, God uses families and God uses the way his creation works and all of that to certainly grow his kingdom. And yet he also, in spite of the brokenness and fallenness of the creation, he works around that, or actually better said maybe is he works through it all and in the midst of it. Um, So uh, just remember, Jesus was not biologically conceived. Um, He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And um, maybe I'm going to trap myself in there. I don't want to trap myself in a heresy, so... um, I'd have to do a little bit more research before I say anything more. But, um, yeah, the point is, you know, I think even in our culture, um, the, the typical nuclear family is becoming less and less of a norm. So families are becoming very diverse. Um, the church is meant to be a diverse place. It's meant to be a place where people of different backgrounds and households can come um, to be a part of God's family. So... I think that was the thing that gave us hope, uh, for sure. Uh, anything else you want to touch on real quickly um, before we take a break? That is basically almost at the end of our podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> all right. Kelly is good, and God is good all the time. So we're going to take a break. We will be right back.
hey welcome back to grow up and talk we definitely had a can of worms just fly open there the good news is that uh, even when we uh, fumble through some of the hard questions and it hurts our brains to think about some of those things or hurts our hearts because we're heartbroken about um, thinking about you know how maybe we've we've stumbled and messed up in the past um, the good news like we talked about, is that God has adopted us. So uh, just remember that. And uh, our final question is all about application. So Kelly, when you read these chapters, overall, how do you see it applying and being relevant and important to our lives today? Yeah, um, I guess the, the thing I keep thinking of is the Lord disciplines those he loves. Mm-hmm. And as as tough as all of this is, he's telling this to us because he loves us. And yeah. I mean, I have parents, you have parents. Yeah. When our parents discipline or disciplined, I don't know, mine still, you know, yeah. let me know when stuff's up. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, you know, it's really I don't like it. I'll admit it. I don't like being told I'm wrong. Yeah. I don't like it. But why are they telling me that? Why Hmm. is God telling us this? Because he loves us. And, you know, it's that, um, I mean, I don't have children of my own, but I have taken care of other, you know, other children. And it's really tough. And it's like, kids, yeah, you know, you're a dad, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yes. You know this. And it's like, when you see them doing things they shouldn't do, it's like a slap in the face of how <laughs> sinful and selfish you are. Yes. <laughs> and it's it's this, um, but at the same time, you have to like push through that and say, no, we aren't going to do that because I want what's best for you. And, you know, that's, that's just, you know, and when I go through difficulties in my life, you know, that's God's way of disciplining me and showing me hmm my sin and the forgiveness I need in Christ and also how to, how to mature. And we don't, and I'm not saying that in a prideful way. I mean, literally like, you know, we have to mature in order to serve, serve others. Like we're daily called to die to self. Um, You're called daily to die to self, to serve your wife and your, your family. Like that's what you're called to do. And that's a good thing. And, I'm being daily called a dinosaur self to serve my family as well. So that's kind of the the thing I see here is, um, you know, very much uh, third use, third use of the law. Yep. Not how do we earn God's favor, but <laughs> how as redeemed people do we love and serve as masks for Christ yeah. in our day to day lives? Yeah. So. Yeah, awesome. And I like that you mentioned third use of law. We ta- I, I believe we talked about that on, on the show before. Um, you know, what we are to do as redeemed children, remembering that we are redeemed in Christ. We are in Jesus. And that goes back to the sinner saint thing. We're never going to escape our sin until we either die or Jesus returns before that. So um, either way, we're going to be with Christ and that is better by far. The ultimate goal is to be with him face to face when heaven and earth are united forever and all of that stuff. Revelation talks about in paradise. And, um, 
yeah, that's when we're going to be completely perfect and completely free from sin. Right now, in this life, we are simultaneously, at the same time, sinners and saints. So, uh, like Isaiah said, all, all, all my works are like filthy rags before the Lord. So, we don't escape our sin. Our sin is always with us. It's, um, and yet, at the same time, the perfection of Christ is always covering us. So, uh, that's important to remember um, that, you know, the grace of Jesus covers us completely in every moment. So even, you know, as we, we stumble and, and, you know, strive um, to the end goal um, and look forward to Jesus' coming again, um, we know that um, we can rest in the assurance that we are covered in his perfection. So, all right. Wow. I think we... Uh, had a lot of depth and substance to our conversation today, which I appreciate. Uh, thanks for your perspective on a lot of these things, especially uh, in talking about the imagery. And um, as always on the show, we end with a random question that the guest of the show does not uh, know. You are not privy to this information. And uh, so let's end on, uh, well, it might be a bit of a, um, it might you know, stump you a little bit because it might be hard to think about this, but, um, it's a fun question. So here's my question to you. If you had to listen for one to one secular Christmas song on repeat for the remainder of December, what would that be? Oh, I know this one. Good. Oh no, I have several. You know what? Okay, oh my goodness. There's this... <laughs> Okay, can I say my top two? Yes. Can I say my... Okay, thank you. Okay, <laughs> you can make fun of me. So it's uh, Celine Dion, Another Year Has Gone By. It's very sappy. And then the <sighs> second one is actually the NSYNC song, like, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Okay. Have you heard that? Yeah. I haven't heard either of those. Yeah, probably not. I have oh, man. unique taste. <laughs> <laughs> They're both really sappy, really oh, sappy. Oh my goodness! So. Yeah, I. What think, about yours? Yeah, mm, I think I'm gonna have to go with Sleigh Ride, uh, because I could listen. You know, like there's something. The the thing I remember about Sleigh Ride when I hear that song, this is what I think about. This is the image that pops in, into my mind because when I was a kid, I had these VHS tapes that. Um, Yes, everyone, I'm old enough to know what a VHS tape is and to have watched them, just so everyone knows. And I had these VHS tapes of these Disney sing-alongs, and I still have yes. the Christmas version, and they had Sleigh Ride. And so what they used, and, and what I realized uh, as I got older and had my first son and, you know, popped that in for him, uh, pretending like as a six month old that he would somehow like, you know, n know what was happening and we would be sharing in that Christmas magic together. Um, I realized that it was actually the Disney version of a Christmas Carol or different oh. scenes from like Disney Christmas shorts or special that were used for the background, uh, images for the sing along. And, um, but there's, you know, that final scene where Scrooge goes in, 
uh, and it's Scrooge McDuck in the Disney version where he goes into the um, the house of the family of, of, of what's his name? Tiny Tim or what? Yeah, Bob Cratchit. Bob yep. Cratchit and then, you know, Tiny Tim. And they're having this big feast together. And that's when it says, and you pass around the coffee and the pumpkin <laughs> pie. And there's just something that makes me feel warm and cozy about having a coffee, pumpkin pie. You're with your family at the end of the the holiday season. Um, holiday means holy day, everyone. But, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, Christmas is... You've just enjoyed a day of like opening the presents, being together, you know, um, worshiping God. As a pastor, I'm like, service is over, sermon's done. Time to just sit back and relax and enjoy the rest. And uh, you eat and you have that little dessert at the end, the pumpkin pie and a little cup of coffee. And it's just warm and cozy. It's that warm feeling inside. And so I think that would be the song cool <laughs> i'm not always concise with my uh descriptions but uh thanks for uh being a part of the journey today kelly and uh just talking about all sorts of things uh that's the point of this podcast and listener if you have any questions or comments about the podcast, you can email those to growupandtalkpodcast at gmail.com. We will talk with you next time.